Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the desert. Where the wind howls and the big winter storms keep rolling in, we are in about storm five of twelve. The tourists have fled. We've got flooding and blizzards and all kinds of excitement. Driving back down the 395 yesterday, the phone kept screeching with those emergency alerts. An avalanche at South Lake Tahoe, maybe go the other way. I was somewhere around Lone Pine at the time. The desert in winter in this new year. Which used to be represented as a baby. For much of the previous century, a baby wearing a top hat, usually. Now and then, they would show the old year, too, as a very old man about to die. But there is no longer a consensus symbol for the new year. There's no automatic holiday character like the Easter Bunny. No single emoji. I guess nobody cares that much about the new year. But if you want to send some happy new year emojis a week late, here are some combinations said to be popular at that time of year. You can do the champagne flutes clicking, then the face with a party hat and party horn, and then the champagne bottle, and the party favor or party popper emoji, the one that looks like a gold party hat sideways. Various other celebratory or dancing-related emojis, like those eerie cat-eared dancing twins, very overlook hotel in winter. You would not like to see them standing in the hallway late at night. Or if you are just not feeling the new year, just send the skull emoji. The plain skull, not the skull and crossbones. And only send one so it's bigger all by itself. Ten minutes later, send the hourglass that's almost out of sand. Sand. 
Some popular desert emojis are the scorpion, the cactus, the sort of monument valley landscape, a lizard, a camel, a coffin, and an eerie blacked out sun. That's the only one I use. And only in response to strangers who somehow got my phone number. I was looking at the entertainment section of the newspaper. And there was some television industry news that may concern or interest Desert Oracle listeners. Barack and Michelle Obama will be producing a Netflix movie about Barney and Betty Hill. They make Netflix shows now, apparently. The Obamas, I mean. What else is a retired multi-millionaire media couple to do in this world? The story of Betty and Barney Hill is true American folklore packed with all the elements of a tale that will be with us for a very long time and has already been around for nearly six decades. the middle 1960s when the Hills' strange experience became a national news sensation. The first of the modern abduction stories. The first time Americans were informed that the strange tool of hypnosis could be used to dig up hidden memories of incredible encounters with unknown entities and the mysterious nocturnal lights that always herald such encounters. This is Desert Oracle Radio, and I am your host, Ken Lane. Soundscapes on this program are composed and performed by Red Blue Black Silver. today, Betty and Barney Hill were abducted by aliens. (laughs) 
But as always, the haunted ground of the earth itself was the location of their long, strange drive home from a brief holiday at Niagara Falls and up in Montreal in late September of 1961. In the overnight hours of the 19th and 20th of that month, the leaves already changing color in those hours before the autumn equinox. Their journey by a rural highway took them south through the Great Granite Mountains and down the glacial valleys of New Hampshire toward their hometown of Portsmouth. A four-hour drive on U.S. Highway 3 with Mount Washington looming to the east, the tallest peak in New Hampshire, way atop the White Mountains. But it took Betty and Barney Hill close to seven hours to make this four-hour trip. That missing time would be the focus of an obsession that would, in its way, ruin them both. Because, as John Keel writes in his classic book, The Eighth Tower... Those who encounter the mysterious intelligence behind such experiences are generally programmed to self-destruct. Barney Hill would be dead at 46, just three years after their story became a tabloid sensation. While Betty Hill would become a UFO fanatic, unable to tell a common airplane or streetlight from the flying saucers that had embedded themselves so completely within her mind that she rarely saw anything else in the night sky for the rest of her life. The White Mountains of New Hampshire are the setting for this story, not outer space, not a binary star system called Zeta Reticuli, as later flying saucer fans would insist. The White Mountains are a place of mystery, a place where the Abnaki people had lived long before the Europeans arrived and had accumulated millennia of regional folklore. Mount Washington itself is a place of such ferocious weather that it holds the global record for highest wind speed. 231 miles per hour on April 12, 1934. The weather observatory there is also very haunted, according to generations of scientists and student interns and visitors who've spent time alone up there. 
They all refer to it as the presence. And when people admit to seeing it, they see a tall figure in a black cloak, just a fleeting glance, a fleeting vision of this dark shape with a bone-white face. Mostly they feel it. The presence, its presence. Or they hear it walking slowly up the creaking metal stairs, slamming doors, knocking over supplies and chairs. The friendlier version seems like a cat, a shadowy thing often glimpsed coming around a corner or from down a dark corridor. Dr. Peter Crane, the observatory's curator and a resident of the White Mountains for more than three decades, says this about the ghost cat. I quote from the Sportsman's Guide. There are those who seem to have a belief that some of those spirits or tragic victims remain and resurface. For generations, cats have been kept by those who winter on Mount Washington. Just as there are human spirits, there are feline spirits. Dr. Crane is skeptical of the presence, but holding a doctoral degree in folklore and folk life from the University of Pennsylvania, he is well acquainted with the centuries of strange tales connected with these haunted mountains. There's an old stone house up there, too. The Tip Top House is called. Supposedly the oldest mountaintop hotel in America. Too many ghosts to count, reported one spooked visitor. I will not be going back into it. Over in the Wiley Range, people have reported every kind of strange and spooky occurrence, like the solo hiker who knows the area well and hurried up the mountain just before sunset. And then found herself alone in the dark with a strange presence. But this one with the shrill, mocking laughter of a child. The whole Wiley family was killed in a landslide there back in 1825. Historical fact. And then there's Crawford Trail, the oldest maintained hiking trail in America and one with a couple of very dangerous sections where more than 200 hikers have died. Lucy Crawford herself has been seen in typical 19th century dress. And then she just disappears. 
Ethan Crawford and a group of woodsmen claim they encountered something awful and sinister near Mount Eisenhower. They too called it the Presence. There are other spirits reported, including two who hiked these mountains in recent times and are known by name. Miss Pawspring Hut is home to the ghost of 16-year-old Betsy Roberts of Newton, Massachusetts, who drowned in the basement of this mountain lodging during a terrible flood in 1971. No matter how dry the season, campers report the sound of heavy rain and dripping water while they try to sleep. a camping hut called Lake of the Clouds, serving through hikers in the presidential range, Mount Eisenhower being one of these peaks, is notorious for ongoing hauntings. The ghost of Ben Campbell, for example, crawls into the bunk with women hikers should they choose the last bunk room on the right. It is reported to be an affectionate encounter, remembered in the morning by the dreamer. Ben Campbell loved these trails and peaks, and after his death in Scotland on another perilous hike, his boots were nailed to the wall of the hiker's hut, where his spirit lingers still. There are whole books filled with such tales. And some of this information comes from Hauntings of the White Mountains by New Hampshire hiker and historian Janice McCurney. A worthwhile read for those who wander New Hampshire or would like to. If you were rambling these rugged trails, pay special reverence at Mount Shakora. Named for the chief whose happy life here was forever changed by the arrival of the uninvited European settlers. Because those who pay their respects to Chief Shakora say that they too feel a powerful presence. So Barney Hill is driving southbound on US-3 and Betty Hill's riding shotgun on this September night just before the equinox in the year of 1961. And they've got their little dog, too. They seem to be a lovely couple, very happy together. They are a unique couple, too, because Barney is a black man and Betty is a white woman. And this was extremely rare in the 1950s when they married. And was still very rare in 1961. At that time, 
New Hampshire and neighboring Vermont were two of the only states that did not have anti-interracial marriage laws on the books at some point in the history of the United States. In the American South, those laws persisted until 1967, when they were thrown out by the U.S. Supreme Court, but Alabama did not remove its law from the books until it was rejected officially by voters in the year 2000. And it only became federal law that interracial and same-sex marriage was protected in this land of the free on November 29 of 2022, or 61 years after our story takes place. When the hills were returning from that archetypal lover's resort, Niagara Falls. Barney was a postman, a good government job. Betty was a social worker. They were, like many progressive people in the 1960s, active members of their local Unitarian church, active members of the NAACP, and Barney Hill was a member of the Portsmouth Board of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. A happy couple living a good life in a time of American progress and American plenty. About half past ten, driving just south of Lancaster on US-3, something caught their eye. One of those lights that grabs your attention and then starts pulsing and moving, the kind of thing that gets Betty and Barney Hill talking about it. Wondering, speculating, and pretty soon they're obsessed with it. By now they've pulled over to a scenic spot with picnic tables on the south side of Twin Mountain. Let the dog out, etc. Get some fresh air. And look at this strange light in the sky moving up, moving down. And now they're driving down Franconia Notch and they watch the brilliant object appear behind New Hampshire's famous Old Man of the Mountain. The face in the rock that remains the state emblem, even though it collapsed 20 years ago. Well, the UFO appeared again from behind the haunted old face. And it was not just a weird light now, it was a rounded craft more than 40 feet wide, all lit up. And then right by the Indian Head Resort alongside Highway 3 today, they came out of the sky and right at their car, hovering over the two-lane before them. The classic scene we all know in our hearts today, but this was the one that created the template. Barney, with his pistol in hand, stopped in the roadway and got out, seeing what he thought might be people up there. 
behind the craft's now apparent windows. Those people wore black uniforms and black caps. One of them looked down at Barney Hill, looked right at him in the face, and telepathically told him to stay right there, keep looking up. The bottom of the craft had something like bat wings, and those sinister, hazy red lights still reported on Black Triangle sightings today. Barney got back in the car, telling his wife, they're going to capture us. He sped off while Betty watched the dark skies above. Then the buzzing began, the buzzing and the clicking and the banging from what sounded like the trunk of their car. Both hills felt a tingling sensation, like an arm or a leg falling asleep, but it overtook them completely, and they lost consciousness. When they both became aware again, the car was some 35 miles south of Indian Head. Both vaguely remembered a roadblock. Betty Hill remembered that roadblock and they remembered a brilliant light dropping down to ground level and then maybe Barney turned off the road, maybe down a dirt road into the forest. Neither of them could ever locate the spot where this happened. Nothing quite matched up. And they just felt weird, anxious, unable to quit thinking about it. A month later, Barney Hill reported the incident to NICAP, the well-known National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. That was the beginning of a very different story, presumably the one to be told by the Obama's Netflix movie called The White Mountains, which is a good sign, I think, because it shows they intend to pay some attention to the place, to the haunted land. Yeah, a hypnotist eventually got Barney Hill to see space monsters and got Betty Hill to see UFOs everywhere all the time. But the real event, or at least the real event as the Hills originally perceived it, on that lonesome road through a granite gorge, that is the true story of Betty and Barney Hill. The story that provided us with all the parameters of the flying saucer landing. Lonesome road, wilderness, a mesmerizing light that becomes an apparent structured craft that speaks to us telepathically, that alters our perception of time and space, that leaves us back in our cars driving down the two-lane, very much unsure of what occurred in the meantime. 62 years ago, in September of 1961, The month of what was then the worst passenger plane air disaster, all 78 dead, TWA Flight 529 in pieces in a cornfield not long after departing Chicago's Midway Airport. The same month when Richard Nixon made a hole-in-one at the Bel Air Country Club, what he proudly called the greatest thrill of my life. 
and only one other president ever got a hole in one, Gerald Ford, 16 years later, after replacing Nixon as president. Good night from the Voice of the Desert. <laughs> <laughs>